Section 46 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Xuqing, translated by Henry Bancroft Joey, Chapter 48, Part 1. A sensual-minded man gets into such trouble through his sensuality that he entertains the idea of going abroad. An estimable and refined girl manages, after great exertion, to compose verses at a refined meeting. But to resume our story, after hearing his mother's arguments, Chirpeng's indignation gradually abated, but notwithstanding that his pains and aches completely disappeared in three or five days' time, the scars of his wounds were not yet healed, and shamming illness, he remained at home. So ashamed was he to meet any of his relations or friends. In a twinkle, the tenth moon drew near, and as several among the partners in the various shops with which he was connected wanted to go home after the settlement of the annual accounts, he had to give them a farewell spread at home. In their number was one Zhang De Hui, who from his early years filled the post of manager in Xuepeng's pawn shop, and who enjoined in his home a living of two or three thousand taels. His purpose too was to visit his native place this year and to return the following spring. Stationery and perfumery have been so scarce this year, he consequently represented, that prices will next year inevitably be high. So when next year comes, what I'll do will be to set up my elder and younger sons ahead of me to look after the pawn shop, and when I start on my way back before the Dragon Festival, I'll purchase a stock of paper, scents, and fans, and bring them for sale. And though we'll have to reduce the duties, payable at the barriers, and other expenses, there will still remain for us a considerable percentage of profit. This proposal set Serpent musing. With the dressing I've recently had, he pondered, I cannot very well at present appear before anyone. Were the fancy to take me to get out of the way for half a year, or even a year, there isn't a place where I can safely retire and to sham illness day after day isn't again quite the right thing. In addition to this, here I've reached this grown-up age, and yet I'm neither a civilian nor a soldier. It's true I call myself a merchant, but I've never in point of facts handled the scales or the epicus, nor do I know anything about our territories, customs and manners, distances and routes. So wouldn't it be advisable that I should also get ready some of my capital and go on a tour with Zhang De Hui for a year or so? Whether I earn any money or not will be equally immaterial to me. More, I shall escape from all disgrace. It will secondly be a good thing for me to see a bit of country. This resolution once arrived at in his mind, he waited until they rose from the banquet when he, with calmness and equanimity, brought his plans to Chang De Hui's cognizance and asked him to postpone his departure for a day or two so that they should proceed on the journey together. 
In the evening, he imparted the tidings to his mother. Mrs. Cher, upon hearing his intention, was a bit delighted, tormented with fresh misgivings, lest he should stir up trouble abroad. For as far as the expense was concerned, she deemed it a mere bagatelle, and she consequently would not permit him to go. You have, she reasoned with him, to take proper care of me, so that I may be able to live in peace. Another thing is that you can well dispense with all this buying and selling, for you are in no need of the few hundreds of tales you may make. Xie Peng had long ago thoroughly resolved in his mind what to do, and he did not therefore feel disposed to listen to her remonstrances. You daily tax me, he pleaded, with being ignorant of the world, with not knowing this and not learning that. And now that I stir up my good resolution with the idea of putting an end to all trifling, and that I wish to become a man, to do something for myself and learn how to carry on business, you won't let me. But what would you have me do? Besides, I'm not a girl that you should coop me up at home. And when is this likely to come to an end? Zhang Dehui is, moreover, a man well up in years, and he is an old friend of our family. So if I go with him, however will I be able to do anything that's wrong? Should I at any time be guilty of any impropriety, he will be sure to speak to me and to exalt me. He even knows the prices of things and customs of trade, and as I shall, as a matter of course, consult him in everything, what advantage won't I enjoy? But if you refuse to let me go, I'll wait for a couple of days, and without breathing a word to anyone at home, I'll furtively make my preparations and start. And when by next year I shall have made my fortune and come back, you at length know what stuff I'm made of. When he had done speaking, he flew into a huff and went off to sleep. Mrs. Cher felt impelled, after the arguments she heard him propound, to deliberate with Pao Chai. If brother, Pao Chai smilingly rejoined, were in real earnest about gaining experience in some legitimate concerns, it would be well and good. But though he speaks, now that he is at home, in a plausible manner, the moment he gets abroad, his own mania will break out again, and it will be hard to exercise any check over him. Yet it isn't worth the while distressing yourself too much about him. If he does actually mend his ways, it will be the happiness of our whole lives. But if he doesn't change, you won't, mother, be able to do anything more. For though in part it depends on human exertion, it in part depends upon the will of heaven. If you keep on giving way to fears that, with his lack of worldly experience, he can't be fit to go abroad and can't be up to any business, and you lock him up at home this year, why, next year he will be just the same. Such being the case, you'd better, Ma, since his arguments are right and specious enough, make up your mind to sacrifice from a hundred to a thousand tails and let him have them for a try. He'll at all events have one of his partners to lend him a helping hand, one who won't either think it a nice thing to play any of his tricks upon him. In the second place, there will be, when he's gone, no one to the left of him or to the right of him, to stand by him and no one upon whom to rely. For when one goes abroad, 
who cares for anyone else? Those who have eat, and those who haven't starve. When he therefore casts his eyes about him and realizes that there is no one to depend upon, he may, upon seeing this, be up to less mischief than were he to stay at home. But of course, there is no saying. Mrs. Shear listened to her and communed within herself for a moment. What you say is indeed right and proper, she remarked. And could one, by spending a small sum, make him learn something profitable? It would be well worth. They then matured their plans, and nothing further of any note transpired during the rest of the night. The next day, Mrs. Shear sent a messenger to invite Jiang De Hui to come round. On his arrival, she charged Shear Peng to regale him in the library. Then, appearing in person outside the window of the covered back passage, she made thousands of appeals to Jiang De Hui to look after her son and take good care of him. Jiang De Hui assented to her solicitations with profuse assurances and took his leave after the collation. The 14th, he went on to explain to Xue Peng, is a propitious day to start. So, with a friend, you'd better be quick and pack up your baggage and hire a mule for us to begin our long journey as soon as the day dawns on the 14th. Xue Peng was intensely gratified, and he communicated their plans to Mrs. Chair. Mrs. Chair then set to and worked away with the assistance of Bao Chai, Chiang Ling, and two old nurses for several consecutive days before she got his luggage ready. She fixed upon the husband of Xue Peng's nurse, an old man with hoary head, two old servants with ample experience and long services, and two young pages, who acted as Sherpan's constant attendants to go with him as his companions. So the party mustered, inclusive of master and followers, six persons in all. Three large carts were hired for the sole purpose of carrying the baggage and requisites, and four mules, suitable for long journeys, were likewise engaged. A tall, dark brown, homebred mule was selected for Sherpan's use but a saddle horse as well was provided for him. After the various preparations had been effected, Mrs. She Bao Chai and the other inmates attended him night after night words of advice. But we can well dispense with dilating on this topic. On the arrival of the 13th, She Peng went and bade goodbye to his maternal uncles after which he came and paid his farewell visit to the members of the Jia household. Jia Zhen and the other male relatives unavoidably prepared an entertainment to speed him off. But to these festivities, there is likewise little need to allude with any minuteness. On the 14th, at break of day, Mrs. She, Bao Chai and the other members of the family accompanied Xue Peng beyond the ceremonial gate. Here his mother and her daughter stood and watched him, their four eyes fixed intently on him, until he got out of sight, when they at length retraced their footsteps into the house. Mrs. Shear had, in coming up to the capital, only brought four or five family domestics and two or three old matrons and waiting maids with her. So after the departure on the recent occasion, of those who followed Xue Peng, 
no more than one or two men servants remained in the outer quarters mrs Shea repaired therefore on the very same day into the study and had the various ornaments bric-a-brac curtains and other articles removed into the inner compound and put away then bidding the wives of the two male attendants who had gone with Peng, likewise moved the quarters inside along with the other women she went on to impress upon Xiangling to put everything carefully away in her own room as well and to lock the doors for she said you must come at night and sleep with me since you've got all these people to keep you company ma bao chai remarked wouldn't it be as well to tell sister ling to come and be my companion our garden is besides quite empty and the nights are so long and as i work away every night won't it be better for me to have an extra person with me quite so smiled mrs Cher. i forgot that i should have told her to go with you is but right it was only the other day that i mentioned to your brother that wen xing too was young and not fit to attend to everything that turns up that ying er could not alone do all the waiting and that it was necessary to purchase another girl for your service if we buy one we won't know what she's really like bao chai demurred if she gives us the slip the money we may have spent on her will be a mere trifle so long as she hasn't been up to any pranks so let's quietly make inquiries and when we find one with well-known antecedents we can purchase her and we'll be on the safe side then while speaking she told Xiangling to collect her bedding and clothes and desiring an old matron and jinner to take them over to the Angwu yuan bao chai returned at last into the garden in company with Xiangling. i meant to have proposed to my lady Xiangling said to bao chai that when master left i should be your companion miss but i feared lest her ladyship should with that suspicious mind of hers have maintained that i was longing to come into the garden to romp but would have thought it it was you after all who spoke to her about it i'm well aware bao chai smiled that you've been inwardly yearning for this garden and that's not for a day or two but with the little time you can call your own you would find it no fun were you even able to run over once in a day so long as you have to do it in a hurry scurry seize therefore this opportunity of staying better still for a year as i on my side will then have an extra companion and you on yours will be able to accomplish your wishes my dear miss laughingly observed Xiangling, do let's make the best of this time and teach me how to write verses i say bao chai laughed you no sooner get the long state than you long for the su i'd advise you to wait a bit this is the first day that you spend in here and you should first and foremost go out of the garden by the eastern side gate and look up and salute everyone in her respective quarters commencing from our old lady but you needn't make it a point of telling them that you've moved into the garden if anyone does allude to the reason why you've shifted your quarters you can simply explain cursorily that i've brought you in as a companion and then drop the subject 
On your return by and by into the garden, you can pay a visit to the apartments of each of the young ladies. Chang Ling signified her acquiescence and was about to start when she saw Ping Er rush in with hurried step. Chang Ling hastened to ask after her health, and Ping Er felt compelled to return her smile and reciprocate her inquiry. I've brought her in today, Bao Chai thereupon smilingly said to Ping Er to make a companion of her. She was just on the point of going to tell your lady about it. What is this that you are saying, Miss? Ping Er rejoined with a smile. I really am at a loss what reply to make to you. It's the right thing, Bao Chai answered. In the house there's the master, and in the temple there's the chief priest. It's true. It's no important concern, but something must, in fact, be mentioned, so that those who sit up on night duty in the garden may be aware that these two have been added to my rooms, and know when to close the gates and when to wait. When you get back, therefore, do mention it, so that I mayn't have to send someone to tell them. Ping Er promised to carry out her wishes. As you are moved in here, she said to Chang Ling, won't you go and pay your respects to your neighbors? I just this very moment, Bao Chai smiled, told her to go and do so. You needn't, however, go to our house, Ping Er remarked. Our Mr. Secundus is laid up at home. Xiang Ling assented and went off, passing first and foremost by Dao Lady Zhao's apartment. But without devoting any of our attention to her, we will revert to Ping Er. Seeing Xiang Ling walked out of the room, she drew Bao Chai near her. Miss, have you heard our news? She inquired in a low tone of voice. I haven't heard any news, Bao Chai responded. We have been daily so busy in getting my brother's things ready for his voyage abroad that we know nothing whatever of any of your affairs in here. I haven't even seen anything of my female cousins these last two days. Our master, Mr. Joshua, has beaten our Mr. Secundus to such a degree that he can't budge. Ping Er smiled. But is it likely, miss, that you have heard nothing about it? This morning, Bao Chai said by way of reply, I heard a great report on the subject, but I didn't believe it could be true. I was just about to go and look up your mistress when you unexpectedly arrived. But why did he beat him again? Ping Er set her teeth to and gave way to abuse. It's all on account of some Jiayu Chun or other. A starved and half-dead boorish bastard, who went yonder quite unexpectedly. It isn't yet ten years since we have known him, and he has been the cause of ever so much trouble. In the spring of this year, Mr. Jia Shi saw somewhere or other, I can't tell where, a lot of antique fans. So, when on his return home, he noticed that the fine fans stored away in the house were all of no use. He at once directed servants to go everywhere and hunt up some like those he had seen. Who'd have anticipated it? They came across a reckless creature of retribution, dubbed by common consent the Stone Fool, who, though so poor as to not even have any rice to put to his mouth, happened to have at home twenty antique fans, but these he utterly refused to take out of his main door. Our Mr. Secundus had thus 
a precious lot of bother to ask ever so many favors of people. But when he got to see the man, he made endless appeals to him before he could get him to invite him to go and sit in his house. When producing the friends, he allowed him to have a short inspection of them. From what our Mr. Secundus says, it would be really difficult to get any the like of them. They are made entirely of spotted black bamboo, and the stacks and jade-like clusters of bamboo on them are the genuine pictures, drawn by men of olden times. When he got back, he explained these things to Mr. Joshua, who readily asked him to buy them, and give the man his own price for them. The stone fool, however, refused. Were I even to be dying from hunger, he said, or perishing from frostbites, and so much as a thousand tails were offered me for each single fan, I wouldn't part with them. Mr. Joshua could do nothing, but day after day he abused our Mr. Secundus as a good-for-nothing. Yet he had long ago promised the man five hundred tails, payable cash down in advance, before delivery of the fans. But he would not sell them. If you want the fans, he answered, you must first of all take my life. Now, miss, do consider what was to be done. But Yu Chuan is, as it happens, a man with no regard for divine justice. Well, when he came to hear of it, he at once devised a plan to lay hold of these fans. So fabricating the charge against him of letting a government debt drag on without payment, he had him arrested and brought before him in the Yaman when he adjudicated that his family property should be converted into money to make up the amount due to the public chest. And confiscating the fans in question, he set an official value on them and sent them over here. And as for that stone fool, no one now has the faintest idea whether he be dead or alive. Mr. Joshua, however, taunted Mr. Secundus. How is it, he said, that other people can manage to get them? Our master simply rejoined, that to bring ruin upon a person in such a trivial matter could not be accounted ability. But at these words, his father suddenly rushed into a fury and averred that Mr. Secundus had said things to gag his mouth. This was the main cause. But several minor matters which I can't even recollect also occurred during these last few days. So when all these things accumulated, he set to work and gave him a sound thrashing. It didn't, however, drag him down and strike him with a rattan or a cane, but recklessly assaulted him while he stood before him with something or other which he laid hold of, and broke his face open in two places. We understand that Mrs. Cher has in here some medicine or other for applying on wounds, so do try, miss, and find a bore of it, and let me have it. Hearing this, Bao Chai speedily directed Inger to go and look for some, and on discovering two balls of it, she brought them over and handed them to Ping Er. Such being the case, Bao Chai said, to make on your return the usual inquiries for me, and I won't then need to go. Pinger turned towards Bao Chai and expressed her readiness to execute her commission. After which she betook herself home, where we will leave her without further notice. End of section forty six.